brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're connected to Business Wrap. Find us online at businesswrap.biz, on Twitter using handle AskBizWrap, and on Facebook, just search Business Wrap. And now, Michigan Reimagined with Chris Buck. Welcome to another great show. You know, new companies are formed all the time. Some you hear about and others never make it. Many of these companies bootstrap startup funding. Others leverage what they own to secure traditional lending. Uh, and others try to draw the attention of angel investors and venture capitalists. Here to shed some light on these behind-the-scenes funding resources is David Silva-Smith. Welcome, David. Thanks, Chris. I'm happy to be here. Appreciate you being here. So, you know, I've used the titles angel investor, venture capitalists, uh, you know, in my introduction, but, you know, am I incorrect in understanding that these terms are synonymous or are there differences between those two before we get started? They're a little bit different. Angel investors come in earlier and they use their own money to invest in startups Venture capitalists come in later, and they use other people's money to invest in startups. Okay. That's great news. I, did, I, I didn't notice that difference, so that's great to know. So tell the listeners a little bit more about your path to this point, and how did you end up becoming an angel investor? Growing up, I was a tech nerd. You know, I was on the computer doing programming and things like that. And probably in about 2007 or 2008, I heard about this guy in California named Paul Graham, he had a blog that I just loved, and I thought, wow, this, this whole startup thing, this seems fun. It's not for me, but it seems fun. And that, that little bug in my, in my mind, I couldn't let go of that thought, and I, I really wanted to participate in startups. Since I was a software developer, first I tried to build my own startups and raise funding on my own. And 
the other piece of me is that I've been investing since I was in college. And so the other piece of me was thinking, could I do this someday? And how would I do this and not lose all of my money? And I was successful investing early in cryptocurrencies that enabled me to retire in 2017. And then I had, I wanted to do something. So even though I wasn't working on my own startups, I wanted to keep part of it. And I read this book by Jason Calacanis called Angel. And, and that solved the puzzle for me of how to get into angel investing and, and not lose all my money and have to go back to work. Got it. So as your definition of angel investing is seed money for an idea that's about to become a company. So it, it, tell me a little bit more about how that works. Do you become part of the ownership group? I mean, how, do, how does that work? Yeah, I think probably about 15 in 2003, maybe 2005, a lot of people would raise money by having an idea on a napkin. And back then, you had to raise money and you had to buy servers and things like that. Today, to start a startup, a software startup, you just need a laptop. And pretty much everybody's got that. So a lot of people have ideas and they want to raise money from investors. I don't invest in just ideas. I want to invest in early stage companies where they have some customers, they have a product, and they want to take it to the next level. They want to grow really quickly. And so that's what they use my money for. Okay. So um, it, I, people listening probably have heard of Shark Tank, you know, and so people come in and they say, I've got this idea, I've made a handful of them, and I think it's a really good thing. And I think you should invest in, in my, uh, my product to get me started, really, even though they're already pretty much established. How does this concept work outside of Hollywood? Is it, is it somewhat close to that, only those meetings don't happen on television? Or is, it, is that really far-fetched and the reality's very different? I think it's different for everybody. I think some people might just invest in a, in a friend. Some people might be very diligent about it and they're really looking for a return. Some people might be looking on a geographic basis and say, hey, I want to invest in Lansing or something like that. For me, the book that I mentioned earlier, Angel by Jason Calacanis, he has what's called an angel syndicate. And what that is, is it's a group of about 3,000 angel investors like me. We all pool small amounts of money, you know, maybe low thousands of dollars together, or maybe 10,000, whatever people feel comfortable putting in. They pool that capital together, and then we're able to make you know, a 300000 or a $1.5 million investment or something like that. What that does for us as angels is it gives us the ability to risk small amounts of money. So if an individual investment goes to zero, which is highly likely in these early stage companies. Target, I'm expecting 90% of my investments to go to zero. Then that's not going to break the bank. And what that does for the entrepreneur we're investing in is then on the ownership structure, which you talked about earlier, then they just have, uh, actually what, what happens is we, the angel syndicate creates a company called a special purpose vehicle. We buy shares in that company. That company gives the money over to the founder and then on the ownership structure, that company has the ownership stake representing all of the you know, hundreds of angels who are invested in it. So ownership stake, does that equate to a share of profits as they come? Or is it a kind of like a traditional loan where it's a, a repayment of the initial investment with an interest factor? There's all kinds of different ways to structure these things. The Companies that I invest in, they're, they're, none of them are profitable. They're all spending more than they're taking in, which is the whole reason that they're taking investment money. And, and so there's no profits to distribute. And what we're looking for is for the companies to go public 
or to be acquired, and, and then that will return the money to the special purpose vehicle, and then that, those funds will be distributed to the angels. Got it. And so when, when these, uh, these angels all join together to give you know, lower-level donations to, to, so the sum of the parts is significant enough to really invest, uh, how do you all then collaboratively vet where that money is going to go? I mean, is there, a, is there a person that is the steward of that money who gets to go then? You know, if you have 30 people kicking into a pot, do all 30 people decide that that's the place that that money needs to go? Or are you just releasing that to someone you really trust to go vet these companies and hope that the, the risk is, is uh, where you all would want it? Yeah, so that's a good point, too, there. Going back to the, the difference between venture capital funds and, and angels, the, in the funds, that's where there's a fund manager. So like if you, Chris Buck, were a fund manager and you raise a fund of a million dollars or 10 million or 100 million, and I put some money in that, like $100,000, I don't have any say in where that money goes. You just pick how to do it. The angel group that I'm in, they, we have companies pitch us and then we can decide to put in individually. So they'll send out an email. They'll say, they'll say, Hey, we're targeting, you know, raising $300,000 for this company, minimum investment size is maybe 2,500 or 10,000. And they'll have criteria for how they select if, if it's, if there's too many people who want to be in the deal. And so we're all directing our own money in the syndicate that I'm in, but there are also different structures where, where you just put the money in and somebody else picks where it goes. Uh, in Michigan, there's a Michigan Angel Fund, and, and that is a fund with a fund manager. And so in that one, investors just put their money in, and then the fund manager decides how to allocate those funds. Got it. So in the former, so your your uh, syndicate uh, is a little bit more like Shark Tank. Yep, yep. It's people putting their own money in. Right. And, and they come and schedule a time to come give you a full presentation and probably give you disclosures and information. You sign an NDA you know, and hear their whole thing. And then everyone individually decides, hey, I'm out on this one or wow, I'm going to give this a level. Yeah. If we really get into the process, there are different opportunities to see these companies. And I, as an angel investor, can spend as much time with them as I want to or not. So I, I could see if you were pitching your company, I could see your pitch in a webinar. And then there's right, a, a follow, right. the different levels of follow-up where I can have a phone call with you or email with you, get additional information. I can ask for documents and things like that until I feel comfortable about the deal and, and then put, put money in or not. Now, some, whether they're university affiliates or, or uh, you know, regional, I guess, semi-governmental entities or whatever, there are pitch competitions that tend to happen in the communities around probably the country that's a whole different thing, right? I mean, that, that's kind of prize money and there's some you know, big organization that is uh, you know, entertaining people that come in and, and pitch their idea and then they might win a $5,000 or a you know, $50,000 um, kind of startup funding for them to go spend how they want, right? That, that's a whole different yeah. arena to play in. Is that right? Yes. I think there's a, a few differences. Typically, the pitch competitions that I've seen around here in Michigan, they don't take an equity position in the companies. They're just giving the money over, which is different from taking an ownership. Right. That's in, prize money. Yep. In the company. Yep. And, and I think from the judging perspective too, it, it probably makes it different. And people are thinking about the criteria differently. There are sometimes private pitch competitions. There was a rise of the rest that Steve Case was doing in, in the Midwest a few years ago. And the winner of that competition would actually get a $100,000 investment from him or his fund, and he would take an equity position in the company. Okay. So if I have a, a small company that I think is, is moving in the right direction and needs that kind of seed money, how do I find an angel? 
I mean, how do how how does a company out there looking for that kind of influx of capital to get to the next level find you guys? Yeah, I think that's something I'm working on. I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs who want investment, and like you said, they don't know where to find angel investors. They don't know how to get on their calendar. They don't know how to get their interest. Right now, I think the best way is to talk to founders who have raised money, maybe who are in a similar category as you. You know, if you're in medical technology or social media, to talk to you know, Google search mm-hmm. who's raised money here in Michigan, talk to that founder, and then get an introduction to their investors. Okay. Now to flip it around, if you're an angel, um, you know, if you're an angel, are you always kind of proactively looking for people to pitch you? Or is, uh, I guess maybe everyone has their own, you know, temperature gauge as to how aggressive they want to be, but is it, is it normal for an angel to be constantly on the look and the more pitches I get, the more places I can put my money, the more likely my success is. I mean, are you always on offense looking for new companies to invest in? I wouldn't say I'm on offense. I'm, I spend most of my time homeschooling my son and then sometime volunteering, helping founders. I can get all the deal flow that I can handle through the syndicate that I'm in. Okay. But I do have a, a longer term goal of investing here in Lansing companies. I've only been doing this for two years, so there's more that I want to learn there. And then I want to see uh, a path to return that we talked about earlier that I think is different from the investments that I'm making out in the West Coast right now. Okay. So you have more of a national and international presence. You're, you're not limited to just Michigan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I could in, invest anywhere, but uh, I would eventually like to invest right here in Lansing, you know, and, yep. and be able to go to the launch parties. And, and I think that would make it more fun. Whereas now a lot of my investments are on the West Coast and okay. I don't really want to fly out there for those kind of things. Right. So now being here in Lansing, we've got Michigan State University right down the street and they've got a very robust, you know, incubation and innovation uh, culture. Uh, does that help your cause or, and, and do you applaud the work that they're doing? Um, are they hitting the mark or do you think there's more opportunity? How would you assess the proximity to Michigan State and everything they're doing uh, as it relates to being an angel? Yeah, I really like what they're doing over there. They have you know, tons of entrepreneurs over there, really smart people. There's a lot of Spartans too out on the West Coast that are at companies and and it'd be really nice if they stayed here instead of leaving. And right. then we could go to their launch parties and we could see them in the news and things like that. And, and you know, I think the, the work that Paul Jakes and Lori Fisher and Dave Washburn and, and those people over there are doing, I really like it. And, and I want to spend more more time over there. There's a lot of high-tech startups coming out of Michigan State, and and I'm trying to figure out ways that I can help support over there. Well, you bring up a good point. Uh, you know, <laughs> if you're controlling the cash that's going to be fed into these companies, can you create an accountability structure and just say, hey, here's what I'll give you, but you've got to headquarter yourself in Michigan? I mean, does that can that parameter or something along those lines ever be put into an agreement? I haven't explored that. I think there are all kinds of terms that you can put in there. And I think sometimes investors try to maybe take advantage of companies. Somebody was telling me that somebody had offered them a substantial amount of money, maybe a few hundred thousand dollars or a million or something like that, but they had to double their valuation in three months or or else uh, a clause would take effect where they would substantially increase their ownership stake. I don't think I'll ever be that kind of angel where I want to put constraints onto founders. I want to find founders I believe in who I think are going to do really well, like Ferris at MySwimPro. And 
give them some money and hopefully, you know, a few years down the road, I get some money back. If not, I, I hope we'll still be friends and I, and I <laughs> hope they'll contact me the next time they, they make a company. Got it. Okay. So while I'm sure that there's laws and some regulation, it is a little bit of the wild west. I mean, you can create an agreement, you know, if you're going to fund someone, the agreement can be structured through attorneys and both parties need to feel good about it. And they're going to be winners and losers, losers and all of that. But, but, uh, it seems like you can craft whatever kind of a deal you really need to. Yeah. Yeah. There are some regulations. And I think usually by the time it gets to actually looking at those clauses, something's went wrong or something's went really right. Like in Facebook's case, I don't think the Winklevoss twins would have ever sued Mark Zuckerberg if the company would have went bankrupt. But since they got to whatever the valuation was when that lawsuit occurred, all of a sudden people say, hey, yeah, here's maybe a paycheck coming my way. And I don't like that part of the business. And, and that reminds me, too, that companies are going to get sued. Every successful startup you know, that gets to these you know, hundreds of millions or billions of dollars of valuation, they all get sued. And I think that's unfortunate. Hmm. All right. So what percentage would you say of, of small businesses or, or, uh, or startups reach to angels or venture capitalists? I mean, how often are these kind of outside financial uh, entities uh, incorporated into to getting these companies up and running? Oh, man, I don't have those numbers off the top of my head. I'm thinking there's a Michigan Venture Capitalist Association, and I think that has those kind of statistics. Okay. So David Silva-Smith, is there a good way for someone to reach out to you uh, or find your information if they're looking to, to learn more from you? Sure. Go to dsdoes.com. That's where I blog about angel investing and advice for startup founders. DS does, D-O-E-S, right? DS does. Yes. Fantastic. Thanks for joining me and uh, having the conversation today, David. Thanks, Chris. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.